0: Welcome to the Whose Body Is It podcast. I'm your host, Isabella Malvin. In this episode, I speak with Willow as she shares her story of transitioning at 17 and detransitioning at 19. Her honesty about online influences, her motivation to transition as a way to connect with her father. And passing as male in public illuminates the complexities of her path away and back to her body. She goes on to provide a candid window into the internal conflict of not feeling at home in trans circles, the realization that her transition was antithetical to her sexual orientation, and what she calls the androgynous wasteland during her transition and detransition. This is a refreshing look at the vastness of woman as a sex class, as well as the healing that comes from communing with sisters as detransitioning women come back into their bodies. You can check out Willow's work on her YouTube channel, where she offers much needed wisdom with the intention to educate and support those who may otherwise regret being shuffled through the affirmative care industry. When were you first introduced to the idea that you might be trans?
1: Okay, so when I first got on to the whole train of transgenderism, is um, I was 16. I was online a lot as a kid. I was like kind of just addicted to <laughs> the internet, and I was on it a lot, and I was on Art, which my friends were on Art, and then we kind of like just switched naturally to Tumblr. And then as we like, you know, gone to the feeds and everything, it's just as we would go and follow more people and blogs and blah, blah, like just more trans stuff would just start popping up. And then my just general curiosity, it's, I, I'm like, huh, what's this? And I look into it and I don't really know how to research as a kid. So I was like, let's go on Wikipedia. And then I look at Wikipedia and then I look at all these like, Uh, this is what the trans is, (laughs) the trans thing is like, this is what they experience, you know, the definition of it. And I was like, you know, I do feel pretty masculine. And then I took what they said and just applied it to the rest of my life. And what I had, you know, I was only 16, so there wasn't much to analyze, but I applied everything to that and all the masculine things, quote unquote, of, of what I was experiencing as a kid and I was just like, oh, I've always been like this. It was so vague to me, and yet I latched onto it, which is why when I look back, I'm like, how on earth did I convince myself I was the opposite sex? I just, it doesn't make sense to me. I, yeah, I don't know how else to, like, really explain how it went on. It's just, it was so nebulous and so weird, but I knew I had some issues, like social issues mostly, and I was kind of trained to be kind of guys because I had older brothers, and my mom was kind of masculine, and you know my dad (laughs) is is a man, so I was like I want to deeply connect to this, and it was just like what the internet was saying that clicked with me. It was was that masculinity. I didn't even really know what it was. I just knew, oh, my brothers are boys. So, and I want to be like them. So then I must be a guy that's, that's what it, it wasn't like a WebMD sort of somebody diagnosing me or I'm diagnosing myself. It was just like, this feels right. And so I thought that men had it just had it way easier than me. And that's why I went for the masculine thing. It almost doesn't make sense (laughs) when you think about what, like, I guess, second wave is. But we're also thinking about teenage logic.
0: What did you see that your brothers had that you wanted? You you describe your mom as, I've heard you say in your videos, you describe your mom as masculine. What do you mean by that? Was she wearing stereotypically, like male clothing, or did she, you know, chop wood in the backyard? Like, like what was it that, like, what is it that makes you consider her, like, um, kind of a masculine woman? Like, what do you, what do you mean by that?
1: That's a good question. Well, she was she wasn't out chopping wood. She was, like, well, it was the converse of the stereotypical, like, girly girl who you know the the Disney princess sort of that model type with all the long hair and all the you know the glitz and the glam like that was sort of thing that she would shy away from and especially as a kid she would be hanging out with some of her brothers her older brothers and then they would be climbing trees and she'd be like oh yeah let's climb trees together and let's play in mud and she she was really like a a a mega tomboy as the little girl and so she's kind of held on to that tomboyishness she wouldn't promote this idea of you know that stereotypical barbie Mm -hmm. sort of Mm -hmm. wear frilly dresses it sounds
0: like your mom and correct me i'm wrong but it sounds like your mom was just defying harmful gender stereotypes she was like I've been shown images of this is how a woman looks and Barbie or whatever, and I'm not I'm not into this. So this is who I am, this is what I'm gonna be. It sounds like she had a really like healthy rejection of yeah harmful <laughs> kind of rebellious,
1: yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: that's so interesting. It wasn't so it wasn't as if like you were raised to only wear dresses and like only wear tutus and only play with pink. Like it doesn't sound like you grew up. From, from what you shared on YouTube, in you know, a like oppressive kind of um,
1: imposed
0: hyper femininity like household. Yeah, that wasn't that. Wasn't like that and, at then,
1: all. and she wasn't, she also wasn't like, oh, masculinity is the best thing and you need to do this. She wasn't like shoving, like, I don't know, Power Rangers down our, my throat or, or Batman. She would
0: say, you know, play with whatever you want to play with, do the activities you want to do. Like your, your, your like upbringing wasn't gendered. Okay. So then you have these two older brothers, you have a mom who is defying gender stereotypes. Then what was the distinction? Cause you know, I'm guessing that your mom didn't identify as trans and wasn't taking testosterone. So, so what was it about it that you think like wasn't enough to kind of be in your, in your body, and doing kind of like um, mimicking the way that your mom was moving through the world. What did you see as alluring or interesting um, or promising about, you know, taking testosterone and then like passing potentially as a man through the world?
1: Well, with my mom when I was younger, we had like a really stressful, tumultuous relationship uh, because my parents divorced and there's like you know the separation from like the entire family just kind of like totally disconnected and divorce is really stressful on children it affected me in ways i didn't think would affect me i mean i had no i had no idea i was very very young six i had no bearing on what was really happening emotionally And I felt like I couldn't express myself to my mom because I was, I guess you could say, I was kind of like a daddy's girl. So I was like really connected to my dad and just seeing him kind of disappear from my life in a way because of the whole, I have to go to this house now. Like that, like crushed my little heart. (laughs) And it's not funny. I'm just laughing as a defense mechanism. (laughs) And so that sort of separation from my dad, like that left a void in me as a kid and I wanted to connect to that so badly. And so the whole trans thing like came in, it was just like, I wasn't consciously thinking of it. I'm pretty sure all of it was really subconscious. And I saw trans stuff as like, this is a way for me to connect with my dad. That's what I believe will happen to me
0: the distinction between um doing stereotypically male activities with your dad like whatever we want to say playing sports uh wearing male clothes versus wanting to become like another son to your dad like what was the distinction there in in taking testosterone and and passing as a man Was it something you saw in the way that he treated your brothers that you wanted?
1: Oh, yes, yeah. So, I like, as time went on with the the divorce and he was living in his own place, I saw that there was a difference between how he treated my brothers. Like, it seemed like he was, at first, it seemed like he was like treating them with a little bit more care, I guess, like a little bit more enthusiasm. And it just seemed like he favored them more. Whereas I, I felt like I, not necessarily faded into the background, but it's, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't have that same connection after I became a teenager that the distance started. But like when I was, before puberty, pretty much, he would just be like taking me to places, going to movies, you know, <laughs> eating pizza together. You know, it was just like we're friends. And really fun and exciting being with him. And then as I was aging, it just, that distance, I can't really put words to it still, but it it really just felt like I wasn't meant to be in his life anymore, especially after he uh, met this other woman uh, who is now his wife. And after she came into his life, that's when the distance really started like becoming very apparent. And he started saying things more directly. Not like, oh, you're a girl and I I don't want you to be in my life anymore. But it was was like this air of, my wife doesn't want me to be around women anymore. And that includes you, Willow. Like he did say that directly, (laughs) but it was definitely extremely obvious. The new wife would be telling my dad, like, oh, I don't want you to be doing this. And, and it's, that's the the chicken or the egg thing comes in where it's like, is my dad, like, following her lead because he's spineless? Or is this what he truly believes? And is like, I agree with my wife. His new behavior, which is more blatantly obvious, of I don't want to hang out with the females in my life anymore, like... That hurt me as a as a little girl and teenager. Wow,
0: that makes total sense. That
1: kind of thing actually made me ashamed of being like masculine presenting, which is which is weird. You'd think it'd be the opposite. When I like came out as trans to him, it's like he just he just didn't seem to really care about it. You know, he would like pat me on the head, not literally, but like, oh you you're you know, expressing yourself and blah blah. But I I felt kind of ashamed, because I wanted a nice, positive reaction from him, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. And like, it it even sounds like you thought that declaring that you were trans would bring you closer, like that would be the way out, kind of circumventing the issue of you know, if the issue is him being around other women, and you're no longer a woman, then problem solved. Right now, you can <laughs> be together. Wow, wow. Oh my gosh! Thank you for yeah for for sharing that. That's a really interesting. Because um, yeah, as I was listening to your videos, I was like trying to piece together how, how yeah how your story all comes together, and that that sounds like a really important element.
1: Yeah, that one's one that I recently discovered, like before I started the channel, I wasn't ever really thinking about it, because as I had detransitioned, it's been about six years now, I wanted to put the whole trans thing behind me, I wanted to put my teenagers behind me, I just, I wanted to just get rid of it, not think about it for a while, and it did really help my mental health, and I believe I needed to do it in order to just heal, so as I started the channel again, and like meeting more people, learning new things, it's all like coming together now. Mm -hmm. Every video comes up with a new thing like, oh, this happened to me because it's actually new to me.
0: (laughs) Wow, okay, so then take us back to you're 16, you've told your family that you're trans. What was the reaction from your mom and your brothers and your community?
1: my mom and one of my older, but bro- not the oldest, but one of my older brothers, um, they were both like, you, you don't give me guy vibes, <laughs> you do- you don't- you're not a guy to me, there's nothing very guyish to you. And then my mom would say, I'm not understanding how you piece this together. She didn't say it l- exactly like that, but definitely like, you're very feminine, I, I don't see you as a guy. That's what she would say. And my brother would just be like, this is weird. And then my oldest brother reacted more like my dad where it was just like, you, you're you being yourself, good for you. And then just kind of fades. And then my community, meanwhile, in high school, uh, I was the only trans person, trans identified person in the school. So I was mostly uh, talking with the female faculty. They wanted to support me and they wanted to see me be happy, I guess, mm-hmm. and, you know, comfortable. They reacted positively in the sense that they're accepting, but not like, oh, you are a guy. So they were yeah. just like, you have a problem and and we want you to be comfortable. That was their, mm. their aim. I, I don't think affirmative care was really present. I, I'm not entirely sure. It was, I was only in this bubble of my school and my just immediate environment, but it's not like I went to my, like, my school counselor and she would be like, oh, you should be on uh, hormones right now. You, you know, it, that wasn't part of the rhetoric yet
0: at the time. Do you remember feeling or, and believing that you were a man trapped in a woman's body? Is that, is that how you described? Can you remember how you kind of described your experience?
1: Yeah, I kind of tried to to avoid saying trapped in a woman's body because I truly wanted to believe that I'm not trapped or anything. I am a man. I'm not a trans man. I am a man, you know. Mm -hmm. It became more complicated as I was turning 18 and 19. It was hard for me to bear this fact that my body will always be biologically female. There's nothing I can do about it, no matter how many surgeries I have. It'll always be this. <laughs> There's nothing man about it. I, I can't change it. And, that, and that's one of the things that, like, when I was 19, that's one of the factors that went into, I should stop doing this.
0: Mm. Um, I know you considered surgical procedures but then didn't can you describe um the changes that you went through and uh what ultimately yeah made you say like i i don't think i want a double mastectomy or hysterectomy uh,
1: when did you start yeah, so I,
0: testosterone how often were you were you taking it and where did where did you get it
1: oh uh, okay yeah so where i got it was from my doctor who had lied to the insurance company saying claiming that I had a a hormone imbalance it still says it on my health chart today. Uh, Wow it was
0: hard at that point so it was really it wasn't as easy you couldn't you didn't you didn't just go to a planned parent clinic and okay wow.
1: Yes it worked differently back then it was the era where you had to lie to your doctor for your doctor to lie to your insurance company. But uh, the trans uh, activists at the time were starting to trick doctors to already just be prepared to lie to the insurance companies. And I caught on to that right at that point. So I was lucky in that way, if you will. And uh, and so he just gave me the testosterone like it was candy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and who was basically just as happy, <laughs> you know, here's your <laughs> lollipop little girl. <laughs> Have fun with it. And ah. so as I got onto it, the changes, the physical changes, I'll start with that. I remember not only was I just euphoric because finally I got it, but um, I remember on the way back home, like my body was starting to like, especially my back. It was starting to tingle, and that was the fat re- starting to redistribute. And that was a weird sensation. I don't think many people would understand it unless they've been on hormone replacement uh, therapy. But, uh, so that, that was the thing. And then um, as time went on, muscle gain, for lack of a better word, like, so that started happening. And it started gaining way more. Uh, uh, my appetite gradually increased although I didn't notice because I didn't really I didn't know at all that this is what would happen I'm sure it was on the list of changes but I was just like I just want testosterone give it to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so eventually my peach fuzz started growing out really long like an inch long I was like I got really excited I remember that <laughs> and uh, eventually the peach fuzz were into like thicker coarser hair and it was in patches and I didn't care that it was in patches. I was just like, Yes, hair. Oh my god, I'm so excited. And my hairline started to recede so it, it could make a, a square appearance for my for my face, because that's the masculine way, because women have more round hairlines. And and then eventually I, I don't remember when exactly. Might have been the third month my voice started to drop and that was extremely exciting because finally my friends who were boys would stop making fun of me for being like a late bloomer. I don't really think cartilage changed. Some people will say like their nose widened or, or their feet widened. My feet might've whitened, but I'm not entirely sure. And my hands didn't change. My shoulders didn't really broaden. The only thing that made it look like it broadened was uh, was the muscles. And, yeah, but basically things just got, like, more taut looking rather than, like, round. Mm. So I went from, like, bony but round because of where the fat was placed to just this straight, straight lines. That's what men are. They're straight lines. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. And you described the euphoria. Did you have more energy generally?
1: Yeah, I was a lot more awake, a lot more horny. As <laughs> what mm. testosterone does to you, I was—I had a lot more, more of a drive to do things and be more bold and courageous. It did kind of get me out of my shell a little bit, so I went from like this shy, reclusive girl to a little bit more outgoing. So that's that's one of the things I'm actually kind of thankful for, but. I could have done it on my own regardless but it's just the bold I'm going to do something and talk to these people and, and also because I'm surrounded by boys at this point I'm going to do reckless and stupid things so I can fit in with them mm. and, and and testosterone was also like yeah do it <laughs> oh
0: wow wow so yeah your personality like it sounds like it completely changed mm-hmm. It, it changed quite a bit. And wow. It was
1: kind of surprising looking back on it now.
0: <laughs> Are you passing as yeah. a, as a man at that point, would you say?
1: Yeah. The more, especially the more hair that I grew, uh, on my face <laughs> and my voice as well, they would just kind of automatically see the beard and hear the voice and, I, you know, my my hands didn't change, so everybody was kind of like, huh, <laughs> you got really tiny hands, but I, I'm still going to consider you a guy, even though you're probably, like, one of the smallest among us.
0: <laughs> right, right. Wow. You said bold and courageous, like the guise of being a man made you feel bold and courageous, which is, I think, really an important point. That you know, that is not the default setting for women as we move through the world. It sounds like it opened up a lot, actually, um, in a way that is just so much more difficult for women because of the the, uh, the judgment we receive when we are assertive and bold and courageous, and yeah, and all of that. Oh, interesting. So then, um Were you, were you friends with other trans identified youth? Like what was your, you said you were the only trans identified person at your school. Did you then like connect with other trans people or was it just over the internet?
1: The funny thing is, is that when I went to a trans youth support group in Seattle, I don't know how old everybody was, but they felt young. I, I remember I just, I couldn't connect with them. Like they would laugh at some of my jokes and I would laugh at some of theirs, but there was just this complete, I felt like the black sheep among the group, not even a sheep, everybody was sheep. And then I was like a a fish. It it was like, what it it was so weird to me. And then when I was online, people were like gender fluid on there. I guess that's under the umbrella of of transgender, but uh, I would meet some of these people and we weren't necessarily friends. I mean, I would mostly make friends with other young women as well, which, which is kind of funny. And then as uh, I turned 19, I remember I, I started dating this one, I wanna say, agender, they went by they, them pronouns and we respected that. And, and we were online dating for half a year uh, I just I felt so weird with this.
0: You were dating someone who was considered themselves agender, but what, you, what was what was their sex? Uh,
1: they were biologically female. Okay. And uh, it was like both an incompatibility thing, and also just a. I, I just felt strange around. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm being discriminatory, but it's just like it just felt kind of weird to me in some way. I don't know what it was about it, but uh, eventually we break up, and then I meet somebody else, and we're not necessarily friends, but we're kind of like uh, friendly. We were friendly, and um, this person I remember they were definitely a gender. I, I don't remember. I feel bad. I don't remember what their gender identity was at the time. But uh, this person definitely agender. And they were telling me about how, like, what gender feels like to them. I, I don't remember exactly what they had said. But whatever it was, it, like, totally clicked with me. I was like, I want to just get away from gender right now. Because I, I don't exactly feel like male describes me but also female doesn't make sense either so i went with that and that that's another reason uh why i began to detransition at 19. which is kind of funny like i just i didn't really seem to get along with other transgender people and they ultimately made me want (laughs) to go back to what i am you know
0: I'm also curious, what was your sexual orientation? Did you, did you feel really clear in what your sexual orientation was? Could it be that it didn't click because this person was a woman and you were interested in men? Like looking back on it, what do you think was happening? Uh,
1: Well, looking back on it now as a 25 year old person, I could say I was heterosexual throughout the entire thing. And I was definitely attracted to straight men But uh, as I was going through the motions as a teenager, I thought I was bisexual for a really, really long time because of some of the female experiences that I've had. You know, I was a teenager, so I didn't really understand exactly what was going on. And I didn't really understand what attraction and romance and stuff really uh, ideally was. So, uh, So I went with this label, bisexual, even though, I was in a relationship with this biologically female person it was just it just it felt wrong to me and I I think that definitely went into the incompatibility part because I just I had no romantic feelings it was it was mostly just friendship so looking back
0: you know that you were heterosexual attracted to straight men through the whole experience which is so interesting because straight men want to be with women yeah (laughs) right which obviously (laughs) you know and i know and everyone listening knows so it's like wow what a difficult place to be to be presenting as male being a woman presenting as male and wanting the attention and affection of straight men yeah Oh my God,
1: kind of like, oh, what was going on with me? <laughs> it's a little embarrassing looking back. Cause it's just like you dingus like you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I as you know, I know you're not the only person who went through this. you know I, I hear I hear stories of women who were married to men who now identify as women. And the ex, the exes want the their ex-wife to think of themselves as lesbians, which is, you know, absurd because to ask her to rewrite her whole life story and her sexual orientation is really the ultimate gaslighting, in, in my opinion. It's like, no, well, I married a man and we definitely made all these kids, and uh, now you're telling me that I was actually a lesbian the whole time?
1: Yeah. That's it's wow. a tall order.
0: That, that is a tall order. <laughs> that is a tall order. Um, wow, okay, because yeah, I remember you speaking in, in some of your videos about, like, one of your factors in detransitioning was the difficulty you had with dating, and that makes total sense at what point did you consider double mastectomy or hysterectomy and then what what was the thing inside of you that said like no like i don't i don't want to do this or how close did you get were you like how how deep in your commitment to present as a man were you what was that process like
1: yeah so for uh top surgery uh double mastectomy uh, i got as far as the consultation. And it it was just like this middle-aged woman with like a pen in her hand and she was just poking at me and saying like, we're gonna do this and that and the other and and boop bobs your uncle. It's just, it was very robotic and kind of soulless. It made me feel like kind of just hollow a little bit with the whole consultation. And it didn't really exactly make me excited. I don't really exactly remember how I felt. And I think because I don't remember how I felt it must have been so underwhelming <laughs> mm. I, but like i still like in my mind i would feel very envious of other trans men and they would like post on tumblr like oh i just got my top surgery done and look at this lottie d and i would be like oh i want that so badly even though the consultation made me feel so weird it was like a cognitive dissonance i think i think that's what i was experiencing it's just there was a complete disconnect between the the envious feelings I was feeling for these trans men after their, uh, their post-op mm-hmm. and then what I felt in that woman's office. And then for bottom surgery, I deeply considered it and I wanted it. And I remember my mom being like, she would give me the whole like oh you might want kids in the future so you maybe you should consider that and i remember just being like no (laughs) no i'm never gonna have any you don't understand i don't want kids it's just like that's a little little kid talking about something they don't understand in their future because you know their frontal love is not developed at all (laughs) or much at all so it's just like you don't know what you're talking about you Mm -hmm. can't make these decisions but yeah, I was, I was deeply considering it and I think I wanted to go for the um, the one where they get the uterus out of you. That's what I was looking at.
0: The hysterectomy. And removing the ovaries too. Yeah. When I hear you describe the, um, the trans man who like posts you know the picture in the group you know I, I think one reaction to that would be like wow there's someone who seems to be resolute in their decision which is ironic because i think with ugh, the way that i kind of understand feeling trapped in the wrong body or feeling like you should have been this or should have been that or shouldn't have this or should have that like is is the definition of disembodiment but then there are transidentified by you who are saying like this is everything like this is the best day of my life i'm finally complete i'm finally whole So I could see how that sounds like really nice, you know, to see a person saying like, I'm complete. You know, I don't, I don't feel that way. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know many humans who would say like they've reached their destination. You know, it's, I feel whole. I feel a sense of embodiment in my, in my flesh and in my sex. I feel at home in my sex, but this idea that like we can, have this image in our mind what we should be and then achieve that is an illusion. But I could see as like a, a teenager, a young woman, yeah, feeling like really um, inspired by someone who feels so, is, is like promoting a sense of extreme confidence. It's very attractive when they say stuff like that.
1: When you're chasing surgeries like that, you, you are trying to chase something very unattainable because we we really can't find peace in just like changing our bodies, but it it really is all a psychological thing. Once you find inner peace, you're like, I I don't feel the need to change myself.
0: The ideology promotes the idea that we are like wrong. There's something fundamentally wrong, not just like my nose is too big, but like all of this is just wrong.
1: It's wrong, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is wild. Like, your your body is wrong in everything about it. It's like you're trapped in this wrong body. I feel like that's the most horrible thing you could say to a little boy or a little girl. Like, your body's wrong. You need surgeries to fix it. Like, that doesn't sound freeing
0: to me. Yeah, yeah. What is the point where you're just like, I don't want to take testosterone anymore. Like, I'm over this
1: the major thing that really set me off was um the the dating life where it was this male coworker of mine straight male coworker he was the the straw that broke the camel's back for me and um so i had this crush on him and one day i confessed to him and he's like sorry i you know i'm straight <laughs> I, i'm not into men and he didn't know I was trans, he, he, I was just totally stealth, So he legitimately thought I was a biological male. So he was like, no, I'm not into that. And uh, you know, I was crushed and then I, I was processing it. And I had a lot of time on my hands because of how my job was structured. I would have a bunch of time to myself and I would process what had happened. And also because I was out of uh, high school at this time. So I graduated. And so there's just a bunch of time with me by myself thinking about how that rejection I'm now beginning to understand that this whole trans thing is just murdering (laughs) cold-blooded murder for my dating life. How am I supposed to date like this if this is the kind of people I'm attracted to and every time I'm attracted you know I keep on getting rejected so it's totally decimating everything (laughs) that I want and and then alongside just the dating thing, it, it was this chore of, I, I would be taking, injecting testosterone, I think, I think it was either once a week or, or once every two weeks. But uh, in, in any case, I, I would inject it. And especially the more I was by myself, I was like, why should I keep? doing this and especially after the end of my time working at this place like it was just like why am I doing this I don't really understand like what exactly is the point of this it, it was just beginning to feel like a chore to me and there was other little factors too that went into it like uh I guess sort of not existential but some kind of like why is it that I have this really masculine female friend who is way more masculine than I was? Like, she just like blew me out of the water with how masculine she was and just her whole demeanor. It matched in my mind what a guy's act. So I was just like thinking to myself, why does she accept being female and then I don't? like what's what's it's not connecting to me so like what's going on and my mom would also she would also tell me things like um like work with what you have which is you know work with the body that you were given she would say like other things that were like I, I i believe that you're female it's just things like that and then i think that just got into my subconscious especially during this time I was deeply connected to like my spirituality and stuff. And so I was deeply like wanting to understand my dreams at the time. My dreams were basically kind of challenging me. Like you don't feel like a guy. You're just this girl trying to be like one. That's kind of basically what was going on in my dreams. I I would just wake up feeling upset. I consciously wanted to go for male. But then my dreams are saying, no. (laughs) So that sort of thing also was like, you need to stop what you're doing. You are not getting closer to your true self. You're actually going in the opposite direction of what you actually need. And so my spirituality is just, that also kind of convinced me.
0: Wow, that's amazing. You had such like a an awareness, or that your yeah your subconscious thoughts were like pulling you back, like this is home. And, you know, I'm like thinking as you were speaking, like subconscious saying, like come come back home, like this is home. Going in the as you said wrong direction, like come come back here. I speak to a lot of mothers of trans identified daughters, and it's just so obvious, I think, to the mothers what what is happening, and you know, because these are. I mean, she literally grew you inside her womb. She gave birth to you. She raised you. She, you know, she's she's seen, you know, the body change. And what was it like for you then deciding to to stop? I mean, were people confused? Were people loving and supportive? Did you feel rejection from other trans-identified people? Like, how did it all kind of... Go from there. Uh, it was
1: pretty seamless in a way. Like mm-hmm. I, I went. I remember I went onto Facebook, and I posted, "I'm not trans anymore." And uh, so I said that, and then people who were paying attention, my family was like, "Oh, I'm so support." You know, they were being supportive of me, and my mom was really happy that you know she was happy her daughter back. I, I remember her being like really sad about losing her daughter that was one of the things she really hated and now uh, she's she was saying like oh I'm so glad I'm getting my daughter back and she was so happy and then my brothers you know just generally supportive and then my friends they didn't bat an eye really they're just like oh okay that's what you want to be that's fine we'll, we'll still you know love you as friends and with uh the trans people that I knew I just I just never really spoke to them ever again. I kind of just shed everybody who I thought was like, bad for me out. I just, I shed everybody. I told one of my coworkers and she was, she was happy for me because finally I was like coming into my own skin. When I met my husband like a couple, several months later and then he got me a new job and then strangers would see me and they would still see me as male. And they would be surring me and stuff, and that really hurt. And then a lot of my coworkers at the time thought I was um, a, uh, a trans woman. Even the ones who knew me in high school were kind of confused what was going on, because, you know, I hadn't had contact with them since high school. So they were like, uh, 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 and then they kind of fed into the whole, oh, this person's trans. And then that just, it was like a game of telephone. She must be a trans woman. So, okay, all right. <laughs> So, at least they still accepted me, but <laughs> that was that was weird, very strange to me. And it's like how how am I supposed to tell these people? I don't know. They're just coworkers. but generally, it was supportive and and quite quite rather seamless
0: when you were identifying as male, were you using men's restrooms? like were you in male locker rooms? like what was that experience like for you? don't believe I went
1: into the locker rooms because that would mean I'd have to undress and I didn't like that because I still had you know I was still wearing a binder and um, but I would sometimes go into the male's bathroom most of the time I wouldn't because like a lot of other people I was pee shy so I didn't want to go in there (laughs) and make a weird fool of myself which doesn't make any sense but Anyway, I had that anxiety, so I didn't really go in. But at any time that I did, nobody really batted an eye, and if they glanced at me, they weren't like, "Oh, get out of here! You're a girl. Get get out of the bathroom." It was just kind of like, I go in, do my business, wash my hands, get out. That was mm-hmm. that was really all that happened. But it was mostly at like, uh, you know, my my high school, so they didn't really care. But I can't really imagine what it would be like if I was at a restaurant presenting as male and then I go to the restroom with a bunch of adult men. I I don't know how that would have been like because I never I don't believe I ever did it.
0: When you say peace, you mean uh biological women who are passing as men, like are afraid of the other men in the bathroom noticing that they don't have a penis. Is that what that means?
1: No, peace is I don't want anybody hearing the stream of of pee going to the toilet and making noise. That's what it was. That was my anxiety. Of course, there's urinals, and I would just I would avoid them obviously because I didn't have anything to to I didn't have the equipment, if you will. So I'd always go into the stall, but I, I would just avoid it because I just I didn't really want to be in these rooms. Not, not I guess i don't maybe it's not just because of peeshyness, but i just i I just i guess i just didn't want to be in a segregated spot like that but because there is still an air of danger to it because there could be a guy who sees me and he could have seen me as a female and he was like a super sleuth for <laughs> what what a female looks like in disguise. Like he could have been like, hey, get out. So there was still that air of it, but I wanted to ignore it and also
0: avoid it at the same time. Mm. Yeah, hearing you say that, like, I, I feel like so scared. We as women, as a sex class, have a healthy degree of fear in like all male spaces because we know that we are like physically more vulnerable. And so the idea of a woman going into an all male space thinking that she's protected makes me scared. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's different than a man going into a woman's space, or right? A man going in, a biological man going into a uh, all woman's bathroom you know, he is very much protected and can dominate, you know, the women in this space, right? He's not at risk of physical violence, right? He might be yelled at, women might get upset, they might report him to the manager, but his physical body is not in in, in a state of threat. Whereas, yeah, when I imagine young women going into those spaces, I it really scares me. Like the, the desire, to want to be seen as man, desire to, you know, just like, as you said, like, no, I am a man. No, I am a man. No, I am a man. Overriding like a healthy sense of fear, um, healthy sense of kind of protection.
1: With testosterone, it does give you that, like I was saying, it gives you this confidence boost of I'm going to do it. So you kind of put that fear behind mm-hmm. you, but there's still that lingering like female instinct of, I can still get hurt, but the testosterone was like, no, 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 you can still do it. As you were talking, it reminded me of when I would be in the courtyard of the school, of my high school, and I would try to just plant myself surrounded by this huge group of boys. And I would only feel actually really safe around like only like two other guys, but everybody else it it was intimidating because a lot of them would be like competitive with each other and i wouldn't be so i wasn't competitive and i didn't see it so they would they would be trying to outwit each other and stuff and then and then they would always very sharply target somebody who wasn't you know sparring like the rest of them mm-hmm. and i was that person so they kind of not all of them all at once but there was like some of them would come up and just kind of try to outwit me and kind of make fun of me and stuff. They would just try to just target me and kind of make me feel terrible. There was still that air of like, I don't necessarily feel 100% comfortable. Whereas with like a whole group of women would be safe for me as well as, you know, the gay men also in our school, they would also feel
0: safe, so what is your life like now post detransing what are you still dealing with what are the things that can't be undone like what what is what is your um your life like now moving through the world
1: Uh, it's in my day-to-day life and going out in public and stuff it's fine it's totally fine i'm really happy with myself right now and I think my life is going really well. Some of the things that I still kind of have to deal with because of the testosterone is some of the hair still grows. It still grows in kind of slightly thick here and and that bothers me. I was actually plucking it today. That kind of bothers me but I feel like it's small enough to not really matter too much. And then my voice I have tried to train it to this point and I'm I'm, I'm relatively satisfied with it. Uh, It it could be a little bit better, but I'm going with it. Uh, I'm fine with androgynous, but I think when it comes to online, people will hear it and if they don't know that I'm a detransitioner or they just don't know what detransitioning is, they'll just be like, oh, well, that's, that's a trans woman that's talking right now. It doesn't bother me too much because like, I know I'm a woman. Everybody around me knows I'm a woman and especially my mom, you know, she knows. So it's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Life is otherwise really good. I don't know. It's it's always the internet. That's always just very bizarre. (laughs) My real life is just like, oh yeah, that's a woman, whatever. (laughs) going to move on with my day now whereas on the internet they they just they stick to it they're like oh that's a that's a trans that's a trans
0: woman it's very bizarre to me mm. Yeah. Mm. is it because the physiologic changes are similar in the in between like that a man who's taking a lot a lot of estrogen will still have like a somewhat deep voice, they're exhibiting signs of androgyny and also women who are coming off testosterone are, are also exhibiting signs of androgyny. Do you think that's where the confusion is from people? Like that, that they're not necessarily, I mean, there's certainly tons of trolls and like horrible people out there, but do you think that there is a genuine confusion because both circumstances are somewhat androgynous?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Like there's some... Um some weird middle gray area into the androgynous wasteland (laughs) where um, like a trans woman, as she's transitioning, I guess, uh, in the beginning stages, she'll still have a relatively deep voice and she'll be trying to voice train. And there are some people, trans women who go really deep into it and they actually genuinely sound like women. And that's really impressive to me. There's still uh, a lot of uh, other trans women who, uh, I I don't know their circumstances, but whatever it is, uh, maybe they're not voice training enough or they're starting to, or they're they're just in that in-between space of not quite feminine and but not quite masculine there. And that does kind of, it's reminiscent of the FTM detransitioner who has this deep voice and especially when they're fresh, they'll still have masculine sort of facial features. And, and I kind of had that too, as I was detransitioning, freshly detransitioning it it's, it. it's hard to go through with it. And then being mistaken as that, cause that's truly when things just aren't aligned. With like how other people see you and how you feel
0: before, it's like you want to be seen as a man, but you're not. And now you, you've come into your into your sex as a woman and want people to see that, and not every single person is seeing that. Yeah. I'm hearing you use the terms like trans woman, trans man. Like, how do you feel about the terminology that radical feminists use? Like, you may have heard me say trans identified woman or trans identified man. Like, how do you, where do you fall? Are you um, militant about the way that you use your language? Has it shifted since detransitioning? Before,
1: like in the beginnings of my channel, I was really all about like, Oh, I wasn't true trans, so uh, I'm just, I'm going to still communing with their lexicon, and I was perfectly fine going with it. And then I met somebody who was uh, gender critical, and then he started telling me about all these uh, things <laughs> that that made me uh, question the ideology uh, way more. It's weird for me because. <sighs> It's very strange. I mean like I want to use, I still want to use this lexicon for um, uh, for my channel because I know that's what uh, I guess most people would understand I guess. I don't really like using the word cis woman. Like I will say it when I'm talking with people who are actively using these words and they understand them because they're part of the trans community, but when I'm talking to like people like you, I'll just say, oh yeah, that's a woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: we all know what a woman is.
0: <laughs> right. Like you described like a different lex lexicon, but it is somewhat similar to me to speaking with someone who believes in a different religion. If I'm with a person who believes that there's a thing, such as you know, a soul trapped in the wrong body, we're veering into like a religious belief system. If we're talking about souls, if we're talking about things that like can't really be measured tangibly, then we're going into this other realm and I can believe that you believe or some you know some person believes that but that doesn't mean I believe it too it sounds like you have you um you're at the point with cis where that's not like your default setting when describing women um yeah, uh, yeah I'd, I'd be interested to see if if and how that shifts but but I hear what you're saying too that it's a helpful it's helpful to be versed in the the vocabulary, depending on your audience, um, the trouble I have is every time I comply or you know use the the right words, I find that I am reinforcing an ideology that doesn't resonate with me. It right. doesn't feel true to me. So it's it's really tricky. Um, but I I hear I hear where you're coming from and that you know there are perhaps other women who are coming to your channel who very much are in that lexicon, but who have a curiosity, maybe, you know, who are just learning that there are, there is such a thing as a person who detransitions. And, you know, so that, that all makes, that all makes a lot of sense. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That that is a good point.
1: The way I use this language is I, I want it to be like one of those people that you were describing that come in and, they're, well- they're well-versed into it, but they might be on the fence uh, with transitioning and stuff. I don't want to use the word safe space, but, you know, it's like a space of I under I kind of understand mm-hmm. you and where you're coming from. If I were to use uh, words that y- you would use, like women, and I, w- I wouldn't use those words because I'm afraid, like, if I use them, I might scare these people off. And I, and I want them to listen. Right. So that's why that's why I use this language
0: still. Yeah. And what's and I think what's so powerful about your channel and just the stories of, of detransitioned women is that you are you're telling your story. Like your story can't be wrong because it's your story.
1: Yeah. Why would you lie about it? That's the that's the one thing that gets to me. Why would you lie about something that nobody wants to hear on the trans side of things, you know? why would you want people to start attacking you
0: yeah what you've done is super vulnerable and super inspiring and um yeah i think something that that's coming up in in the spaces that i'm in is like how to hold space for women who are coming back into womanhood you know and in its vastness you know like how How do we hold the line for women, you know, as girls, right, to feel grounded and embodied in the vastness of being a part of the female sex class. And then on the other end, right, if we continue to see women who are detransitioning, like what does support look like on the other side? What has felt good and supportive for you? Do you find yourself in women's circles. Do you find yourself with uh, groups of of women? Like, what what has that maybe reintegration or like what what has that process been like?
1: While I was detransitioning uh, for the first couple of years, I was still battling with femininity and connecting to other women. Uh, still, it was still a very foreign concept to me, and. Uh, the women that I was exposed to, there was this incompatibility, so I didn't really feel, I still felt very disconnected from it. Like there are some parts where I was like, okay, yeah, we have some common ground with these interests, but there was still just like, I still don't really want to associate myself with this. And then it slowly I would make uh, an older female friend, who was kind of tomboyish. And so she liked, she understood me in some regards. So that made me feel a little bit better about being female. I was growing into, okay, yeah, I am a woman and I can accept this. But then as it went to like, uh, like sisterhood, like you said, with like other women, groups of women, that actually didn't really come up until, the, until I started the channel a few months ago. And then Uh, A a woman comes up to me and she wants to interview me. Not you. (laughs) But another woman comes up. uh, Alex, you've probably seen her. Uh, She comes up to me. Let's do an interview and let's bring on one of your uh, subscribers who's a mom. She's really sweet and we all came on together and that made me feel just so nice. It felt so good just to see just these women and we're like supporting each other. It was so beautiful to me. And I got so hyped up. I'm like, Ooh, yes, I'm, I'm part of a movement and there's women and they get me. And then I meet more people on this, uh, this Facebook group that she sent me and you know, you're part of as well. And it was just, uh, it just, it felt so good to just meet with other women. It, it makes me feel a lot more hopeful. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah oh my gosh that that makes sense yeah oh my gosh and like you you like speaking to your like excitement and giddiness around meeting with other women just shows like how oh my god it's just not the norm for most women whether they're pre-transitioned women or just you know women who have never sought out transitioning like there's a lack of um structure around meeting with women regularly that, you know, women like myself and, and my kind of other birthy witchy friends are, are doing regularly, but it's not the norm. How do we help with young women feel at home and grounded in their bodies? And I think the way to do that is to gather regularly and have circles and talk about our cycles oh, yeah. and, Honor rites of passages, like, you know, what was done since the beginning of time.
1: One of the reasons why some of these young girls will transition is because they feel that disconnect. I think they need to be integrated with, like, other women who fully accept themselves. And some of them are a little bit more masculine, and that's fine. And we need to see like more butch lesbians in these groups and we need to see more of this acceptance and then being surrounded in that sort of sphere of love i think that would like help that little girl to to accept who she is i hope that's a theory i have
0: thank you again that was so awesome chatting thank you that was nice If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support my work, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay in the loop for my latest coaching programs, hypnosis sessions, free resource guides, and more, follow me on Instagram at whosebodyisit and visit my website, whosebodyisit.com.